I woke up one morning and realized that my attitude did not match my faith. I was living a stressed out, overwhelmed, unsatisfied, and ungrateful life, and I didn't want to do that anymore. So I started writing this book. I knew writing it would make me take a good hard look at what I believe and how those beliefs should affect my life. In the episodes to come, we'll explore many of the obstacles that stand in the way of building a firm foundation in Christ. I'm happy to say that the writing helped me begin to embrace the rest and peace Jesus has for us as believers. I hope listening to it does the same for you. I'm Connie White, otherwise known as C.E. White, and this is my book, Trusting God When You're Struggling, Overcoming Obstacles to Faith, read by Annie Din. Worry Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Corey Ten Boom Irony of ironies. As I began this chapter, I was, you guessed it, worried. God keeps doing that, as if he actually wants to teach me things, not just have me write about them. Two days ago, I injured my finger and it may require surgery. It impedes not only my typing speed, but every aspect of my life, and this will only get worse if surgery is required. It happened just after I'd committed to several art commissions, but surgery may make my time frame unachievable, meaning I'd have to put off either this book or the art. Preoccupied and unable to concentrate, I literally wasted an entire day attempting to devise a plan for this. Though I couldn't know the outcome until after my doctor's appointment, which was two days away, and even if I had, that wouldn't have changed what I should have been doing in the meantime, writing. I allowed my thoughts to take me captive rather than the other way around. If I believe God can do the impossible, as he says he can, and that he will work things to the good of those who love him regardless of what happens, as he says he will, then why worry? God's got the situation either way. I was acting as if these promises were simply platitudes and didn't have any meaning in the real world that corresponded to how I live my life. The fact that I was writing on worry forced me to a crisis quickly. I had to resolve my own worries or write the chapter as a hypocrite. Not that I've perfectly accomplished overcoming any of the obstacles I've written about, but I didn't want to actively wallow in worry while imploring you not to. So I asked myself, do I trust him or not? My answer was an emphatic yes. And that required turning it over to the Lord and giving up my fussing. After all, who is better able to carry it? The almighty creator of the universe or little old me? That's rhetorical. I know trusting God is easier said than done. Even the disciples weren't great at it when danger and difficulty threatened. Jesus was asleep on the boat when the storm came and the waves began filling it with water. The disciples finally woke him and their first question was, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Isn't that how we all respond when troubles hit us and it seems like God's not stirring? God, where are you? Do you even care? We want him awake and active. 
He doesn't rush to our rescue at the height of trouble, so we think he's letting us down. But he knows all about the wind and the waves, and he knows just when he's needed. The command to fret not is intended for just these times. We're told to fret not, even when there's something worth fretting over. There would be no need for faith if there were no storms and no need for the peace that passes all understanding if circumstances weren't uncertain. If we can only trust him when the waves are still and the sailing fine, it isn't really trust. And if I couldn't trust him with a potential finger surgery, much less a definite one, how could I say I trust him at all? That would be like if the disciples were still on shore, looking out across the water and noticed some clouds just as Jesus proposed crossing. I don't know, Jesus. It might storm. Our response should be, Okay, Jesus, if you say we should cross, it doesn't matter if there are storms or not. Let's go. If the journey is God's idea, he will get you there. If we doubt God while we're still standing on the shore, how will we ever learn to trust him once the waves buffet, the water starts pouring into the boat, and all seems lost? We must learn to relinquish worry there first or we will never endure trials when they come. Let's look at another shipwrecked apostle. In Acts 27, Paul was a prisoner en route to appear before Caesar. His ship was tossed off course and blown by the storm for days. It seemed there was no hope of survival, but an angel appeared to Paul and told him everyone on the boat would live. He provided this encouragement to the guards and fellow prisoners. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Paul was not panicked and worried. In the middle of the crisis, he was still confident because he knew God keeps his word. What did he have that the disciples did not? Let's go back to them and see. Jesus calmed the storm but still rebuked them. Why are you so afraid, he asked. Have you still no faith? and the problem appeared in their response. Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? They didn't understand the enormity of who was in the boat with them, and neither do we if we think our storms are too big for him or that he doesn't care. Paul grasped the mystery of Christ, and that he was able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. He knew there was no storm great enough to overcome the Lord's plans. The disciples surely had a suspicion that Jesus was the Messiah, but no one was going all out calling him that. Who then is this, they asked. They didn't get it. But we should. This is the almighty creator of the universe who parts the seas and separates the day from night, who commands the wind and waves, who set the sun and stars in motion. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret by Howard and Geraldine Taylor, there is a story about Hudson Taylor's reaction when fellow missionary George Nichol brought him news of dangerous rioting at some of the other mission houses. This is what happened after he delivered the message. Thinking that Mr. Taylor might wish to be alone, the younger man was about to withdraw when, to his surprise, someone began to whistle. It was the soft refrain of the well-loved hymn, Jesus, I am resting, 
resting in the joy of what thou art. Turning back, Mr. Nickel could not help exclaiming, How can you whistle when our friends are in so much danger? Would you have me anxious and troubled? was the quiet reply. That would not help them, and would certainly incapacitate me from my work. I have just to roll the burden on the Lord. If we know who God is and understand His real power, this is how we should face every trial, not with flippant disregard, but with sober confidence and a dedication to the duty the Lord's given us today. Notice the song Taylor whistled. If you don't know the lyrics, look them up. It wasn't a carefree tune as if all was right with the world. It was a song to remind him of the unfailing promises of the Lord, of his steadfast love, and of the hope of eternity. We should all have a go-to verse or song that brings to mind the unchanging love of God and his purpose in our lives to bring us closer to him in the midst of whatever dark trial is before us. Wherever you are, the Lord is in your boat. Whether your financial security is threatened by a market crash, your child seems lost to addiction, or you're broken from the pain and violence you see all around you, he has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Jeremiah chapter 7 verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. J. Hudson Taylor and Paul have both just given us glimpses of what that man looks like. I want to be that person, unfazed by storm and drought and danger, because I am rooted in the Lord. Jesus says, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? If we're not to worry about our most basic human needs of survival, surely we should not worry about anything else. Yet, if we're honest, most of us will say we spend many hours worrying about where our provision will come from, basic and beyond. Worry is the most socially acceptable sin there is. We don't think of it as a sin, but at its root, it's a fundamental lack of belief in God's promises. It denies His power and His word. Fret not and do not be anxious are given in the imperative. They are not suggestions. They are commands. But as with most of the have-tos in the Bible, it's more about get-to. It's freeing us, not enslaving us. Because of Jesus, we can relinquish that load of worry, and as Taylor said, roll the burden on the Lord. Why would we choose to continue carrying it? And yet, we do. Like a toddler with a security blanket, we cling to it just as the disciples relied on the boat in their own feeble attempts to bail out the water instead of Jesus. They had God in the boat and didn't even think to ask him for help. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Instead of turning our worries over to Jesus, we turn to earthly resources and our abilities and people, piling burden on top of anxiety, neither biblical. 
The Lord knows every earthly thing we cling to can be snatched away from us in a moment. He wants to be our security. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. All our fussing and planning cannot stave off trouble, for which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry is like packing our luggage with everything we might ever need for every journey, even ones we may never take, then trying to carry it all with us everywhere we go. It's impossible and useless and silly. The next time it rears its ugly head and you're tempted to engage those anxious thoughts, Remind yourself of God's promises and his identity, and remember that he's in your boat. Takeaways Worry is a waste of time and energy. Worry takes your focus off God and his work. If we engage in worry, then we don't practically believe in God's power, sovereignty, promises, or love. Faith is the opposite of worry. You can't actively participate in both. You must choose one or the other. Worry is often a lack of trust before trouble even strikes. If you can't trust him with imaginary fears, how will you ever trust him with real ones? If God doesn't want us to worry about food and clothing, the most essential of all essentials, he most certainly doesn't want us to worry about anything else. Worry is nothing but a security blanket giving us a false sense of control. Remember who God is and that he's in your boat.